Hey there, this is Therese Skelly, and I am so excited that you are going to be listening to an episode of the Fiercely Brilliant Podcast. Do you like those two words? Fiercely Brilliant. My hypothesis is that you are here for a reason. We all are. Our souls have led us on journeys that have very often taken some twists and turns, and sometimes it's not pretty. Sometimes there's struggle, and there's loss, and there's challenge, and in the middle of that, there's always the way out. And it's those times that often lead us into our great life and work. So you're going to hear stories in these episodes of myself and other beautiful people that share the journey. They share how they got to the place where they're standing, working in their brilliance and being the powerful leaders that they are. So stay tuned and enjoy this episode. This is another episode of the Fiercely Brilliant Podcast, and today is the third anniversary of my relationship with my fabulous boyfriend, Scott. Now, you're probably saying, okay, cool, why are you doing a podcast episode about that? (laughs) And it's because you cannot live a fiercely brilliant life if you don't get the relationship piece correct, right? You may have known women, as I have, that are super successful, like six, seven figure women that seem to rock the world and they cannot, they just pick men that are just not working out or women that are really, really strong when they're single. And then they start dating and they lose themselves. And so um, I have a lot of experience. I have been divorced since 2005 and I've had, you know, multiple relationships and so for me, the relationship piece, like this, what, this day, three years with Scott, I'm celebrating the hell out of it because I've ne- never made it this far before. I was married for a lot of years, but I've never been in a relationship that has given me so much joy that is so just freaking yummy. It took a lot of work, right? And so I know that you might have the same thing in relationships. And so I just thought we are going to have a show about how relationships are teachers and mirrors. All right. So strap on. Okay. So a little backstory, you know, I used to be a psychotherapist, right? And I worked with couples. I loved working with couples. And truth is a lot of couple therapy doesn't work. Um, A lot of the way people did couple therapy was really dysfunctional. I just would, I would just sit and go, what? <laughs> like what? That shit you're trying, like what? If you need any relationship advice, the very best, finest, most scientifically proven is the work of Dr. John Gottman. And so just read any book by Dr. John Gottman. And so if you want, if you want, like, here's the therapy stuff, here's the science stuff that works, but I'm, I'm just going to talk personal. So I'm not going to pull out pull out uh, the big gun research and theories. I'm going to talk personal and what I have discovered. Okay. You know, like, here's what you need to know. We are wounded in relationships. Therefore can be healed in relationships. So think about all the things, you know, if you talk about codependency or problems with boundaries or problems with self-esteem or problems with using your voice, generally, It was because somebody in a relationship did something or didn't do something that created that, right? Like you weren't born in a vacuum and developed some habits or some beliefs or some some struggles by yourself. The wounding is in relationships and therefore 
there's a tremendous opportunity for healing in relationships. But in the meantime, if you don't know this, oh, it'll trigger the shit out of you. <laughs> like I just will say that, right? So relationships are mirrors. And so I, you know, I had got divorced and I dated, you know, multiples of men. And I find and I would say, oh my God, I picked yet another emotionally unavailable man. And I could blame the men. Or I could say, what is broken in me that is ex- accepting less than my greatness? What is, what is allowing this in me instead of, well, they're wrong here, they're not in here, they're not right. Now, obviously, some relationships are not right, but I want you to be able to look at like I do. It's all a mirror. It's all a reflection on what you're like. If you are having a relationship and you're like, well, it's pretty good but I'm not getting enough of X, Y, Z. I would say, is there a part of you that is not allowing for X, Y, Z, right? Instead of blaming your partner, the only hope you have is to say, huh, if this is an unmet need for me, is there a part of me that's not allowing it? Is there a part of me that's sabotaging? Is there another part of me that I don't even know it's a need, right? So what happens with relationships I am a woman over 60. I know, shocking. I know, I can't even believe it. I don't feel like it, but I look at my birth certificate and I'm like, well, hell, <laughs> you've been on the planet a while. And I was born in very much the, you know, a man will take care of you. I was, I was born in the wait for Prince Charming. You know, some man's going to save you. Some, some dude on a horse is going to come and sweep you off your feet. I was born in the era where men worked, men made the money. Women took care of the children, maybe worked a little bit, but women weren't independent, sovereign beings. They were wives. And so that means, and you don't have to be my age, but living in in our consciousness are the archetypes of the Cinderella story, the archetypes of the princess that needs saving, the archetypes of the damsel in distress, right? So like, I'll give you a story. I was uh, one year out of my divorce and I was driving by this really exclusive part in Scottsdale where, where this, I'm in Arizona, beautiful, like racquetball club spa, like it's called Ganey Ranch. It's gorgeous, like very, very high end place. I'm with my 12 year old son. And I'm driving by, I get divorced one year, driving by this place. And I say to Danny, Danny, if I ever get married again, Maybe my husband will make enough money and we could go to that club so you could play basketball there. And he looks at me and says, or why don't you just make the money? (laughs) And I have to tell you, I was like, holy shit. Because in my marriage, I was a strong one. The man made a bunch of money, but I made all the decisions. I did all the things. I would have said I'm an independent feminist. And yet from my mouth said, maybe a husband will come and take care of me so we could go to that racket club. I, truthfully, I had to go to therapy. <laughs> I, was, I was so troubled as conscious and as aware. I was a freaking therapist. I was like, wait, what? How in the hell was that living in me? And I had no idea. So I went, I got some neurolinguistic programming and I had to rework and rewire what it meant to be a woman, what it meant to be a strong woman, what it meant for men in the world. I mean, I had no idea. 
And so my question for you is, do you tend to have a little bit of that lurking? Or oh, maybe some man will save me, or I can't do that. I pray not. Like, I really do. I don't want that for you. But I've seen it in a lot of my girlfriends and a lot of my clients that it's like, eh, I don't need to worry that much because my, my husband's paying the bills. Okay, that's cool. God bless you for that. But how does it show up in the relationship for you? Right? So the first one, understanding that your relationship, wherever the struggles are, wherever your needs aren't getting met, the quality of relationship, the person you are with, it's mirroring something in you. And it could be because of the archetypes. I know sometimes I idealize. I'll just be honest. You know, I watch like, I don't watch Hallmark movies and I don't watch The Bachelorette or those those things, but just like, oh, to be swept off my feet. Oh, to have that Hollywood wedding. And I'm like, wait, do I really want that? Or am I being told that I want that? So sometimes in relationships, you need to ask yourself, like, is this really my value? Or have I bought into this is what I should have or this is what we should be doing? So for example, Scott and I don't live together. And, I, and people you know, can say, are you going to move in? And I'm like, I don't really want to. I'm like, I'm fine. <laughs> I like my place. <laughs> I, love, I love the area I live. Should I want something else? Right? And so I'm aware of between the archetype influence and then the idealization of this is what it should look like. This is, oh, you should do this and have this. And this, as opposed to, no, this is what we have. This is what I desire. So what I'm asking you to do is be really, really, really conscious of, do I have what I want? And do I want what I have? Do I want something because I'm told I want it? Or here's the next one. Is this an unmet need from a wound? Okay, let's just go. We're going to strap on because this is going deep. Whew. Every time. And I literally can say, no, sometimes we're with people and they say something stupid or they'll be insensitive and we're like, God, stop, chill, stop, right? But have you ever had a time where your partner does something and you can't stop obsessing about it? So I'm just going to give you a little point of, of context here. Whenever there is an overreaction or an underreaction, now an overreaction is you blow up. Or you have, you like, you start crying for no reason. Or for me, you're like, you can't, like, um, you're just obsessing and obsessing and obsessing and obsessing. You know, there's one little tiny thing and you just like, you can't stop it. You can't, you're losing your peace. I call it looping. Or the underaction would be freezing. Just you shut down. Or you shut off or you don't care. Whenever you experience one or two of those, most people have overreaction as opposed to underreaction though. It's always about your history. It's always something else. So what I'm aware of, when I show up in my relationships, I understand that living in me was a little girl who was not valued at all. A little girl who was never seen, was never appreciated. And I've had to do a whole bunch of work over the last decades. And guess what? The best work has been when I'm in relationships and I'm triggered. Now, most people would be like, oh no, you're triggered. That's a bad sign. And I'm like, oh, thank God. Because for me, 
how do I say it? My goal for the work I do personally and for my clients is to make the unconscious conscious because, you know, 95% of us is like run by our unconscious. So here I am, a six-year-old woman in a beautiful relationship and Scott does something and suddenly my seven-year-old jumps out in front is like, you don't love me. <laughs> like, well, trust me, he's not thrilled with that part. I can tell you as, and most of us do not do well when our little wounded part comes to the surface and it's activated. And so the work, whenever you're triggered, instead of finger pointing and saying, oh my God, you didn't meet my need there. Now, again, they could have been an asshole or they could have done something that was wrong. I'm not excusing the bad behavior, but I'm saying the best way is to say what in, what in me is activated right now. Now, sometimes it's just what's activated is you're being an asshole and I'm not going to be talked to that way. Or what's activated is that was disrespectful. Or what's activated is I need to put a boundary here. If you are, if you're in your grown self and if you can be really, really, really present without a charge, kind of neutral, you know what? I would prefer you do that. That's how you can tell you're in your grown self. But when you're like dropping, when you're wounded, when you're, are you following me? And I'm not saying this is bad. Like this to me, I love this. To me, relationships are like freaking sandpaper. <laughs> it's just like, oh, and you don't value yourself here. Oh, you gave up yourself there. Oh, you're looking for him to provide happiness there. Oh, look at that. And it's really hard work. It's not, this is not, this is like, like what do they say? For the faint of heart? Because most people want the honeymoon. They want the glorified, idealized, oh my God, then we had great sex and we had martinis and it's just so fun. We're so compatible. Yes. And what about the times where you walk in and you're like, I feel like crap. I don't feel connected to you. And I don't understand why I can't shut the voice in my head that's like telling me that I'm not enough or you're not enough, right? So I want you to understand that when you are triggered, the most important thing, again, if it's not a, like a, a grievous, you know, if, like, if they're not being weird or, you know, doing something really harmful, if, they're, if it's just they were not available or they said something that, that triggered you, ask inside, like ask inside, like, what does this remind me of? What does it remind me of? And if you get really quiet, you might be able to even see, maybe, maybe your unconscious will show you like, oh my God, I'm seeing a picture of when I'm seven and my mommy walked out or when I was 12 and my dad told me this. So whenever you have a deja vu, you might not get the exact picture, but when the feeling is familiar, right? That's an opportunity for healing. That's where you stop and say, okay, not about you, current partner, hold on. Because that little child part, that wounded part, needs to understand that 40 years have elapsed. They need to understand that what happened to you was wrong. They need to understand that you were okay to say that. Like you need to literally go in and repair that child part. You need to either take them out of that bad environment. You need to let them have a voice. You need to love them up. You need to have them express what was wrong. You cannot, you cannot, because I've tried it, trust me. You cannot expect a grown partner to heal all your childhood wounds. Okay, just chew on that one for a minute. Because how many of us go into relationships unconsciously 
expecting that. Okay, my daddy abandoned me, so you will never do that. You must this, this, this. Now, again, I'm not saying you can't ask for your needs. I am very clear about my needs and my boundaries and what I expect. So I don't want you to hear that I, that I let bad behavior off the hook, or I just expect a woman to roll over and say, oh, whatever somebody gives me is fine. It's not that at all. I'm just saying you can get to a place of sovereignty and self-mastery when you say, okay, in this fight, I could have shut up just then, but instead I escalated and I gave myself up. That was about me. Man, yeah, you may be, but we're saying some stuff. But I got to a point, I don't like to go. That's totally on me. You did not make me do that. See what I mean? If you look at it through the mirror of how can I use this to be more free, to be more uh, self-contained, to be more of myself. I know that was a little bit redundant. <laughs> but if you use the, the what happened as how is this a gift to me? How is it showing me something? Right? Like I discovered through this relationship, actually, that I expected Scott to disappoint me. I don't think I've ever told him that one, but I expected it because every man has always disappointed me. Well, who was the first disappointer? What a surprise. It was my father, right? So I would expect like, okay, we're supposed to go out Saturday, but he's probably going to screw it up. And he gave me no reason for that. It's not like he was a flake or something. He's a fabulous person. But I noticed the voices in my head were like, it's not going to work. It's not going to happen. I'm going to be disappointed. Once blah, 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 blah. And I was like, wait, you're carrying this energy of expecting a man to disappoint you because that's always been your experience. Maybe you could A, heal that and B, find somebody that can be more what you want. But I didn't know until I started listening and noticing and being aware. And think of, think of that shit of that. Imagine I walk in to, to the weekend where we spend time together and I already in my mind have him set up. I've already set up like, well, psh, you're going to disappoint me because every man does. Now, if you would have told me that two years ago, I didn't know that about myself, but it was only in you know <laughs> running into a few moments of friction where I was like, wow. And then when I back, so I would get all like controlling and it's got to be this way and you have to call me on this day. And when I backed off, I was able to see like, wow, he always comes through. It always works out. And I don't have to control the shit out of it. But I was controlling it because I didn't want to be disappointed. Now, that's all on me. That has nothing to do with him. So that's an example of healing that can happen when you notice where your triggers are, notice where it lives in yourself, and then make a different choice. Now, I will tell you a couple, a couple of things that I have in my relationship that I, I absolutely agree with. Like I, I teach this, I live it out, and here's one. So these are agreements. When Scott and I got together, we're like, okay, what are our agreements, right? For us, monogamy, commitment, um, you know, we, have, we just have basic agreements that we, we abide by. And one of my agreements was, if you don't talk it out, you'll act it out. Okay, let's, let's, let's chew this one a little bit. Very often, people think it's easier to sweep something under the rug, right? A lot of people are conflict avoidant. A lot of people um, have had bad experiences, right? And they say, can I share something with you? <laughs> you know, they were slammed or they were shamed. And so, so we have learned 
that, well, I just, I just don't want to say it. Maybe if I don't talk about it, it'll go away. Or the, there was a fight and you heard this when I was a therapist, we heard this all the time. We have the same fight over. And, and I would say, how do you solve it? We don't, we can't. Right. So I'm actually, these days a really good communicator and I'm a fabulous because I've learned and I've worked really hard at my communication. And one of the things that is a primary tenant is if you don't talk it out, you'll act it out. Now that for me means, let's say Scott does something and my feelings get hurt. If I don't say, just need to let you know I'm a little hurt right now, or, or I'll say, you know, that part in my head is telling me that um, I had a right to ask for that and you didn't do it. And so, you know, whatever, however I frame it, if I don't do that, I will distance. So when I say talk it out, I will act it out by, for me, my acting out is distance. When I was married, my ex-husband would uh, play the, um, he wouldn't share anything, any, any, he would never, everything's fine, 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 fine. And he acted out by getting so resentful because he wasn't sharing. He was thinking he was being virtuous by not having conflict, but then the resentments were acting out, acting out in really bad ways, right? So just notice if you, and I would rather walk through five minutes of tense feelings and say, okay, good. I seem to just share that. I'm good. Boom. Back. I'm close. I'm connected. John Gottman talks about what makes relationships work are what he calls bids to connect. Right. And so for me, a bid to connect is, Hey honey, I'm feeling a little bit disconnected and I'm trying to get the connection back. And this is what I would like for me right now. No. Well, Sometimes Scott hears that. Sometimes he's like, I disagree or no, whatever, right? I can't control how he's going to hear it. But for me, the very act of, I want to regain my connection and this is what I need to do to do it. So a bid to connect is, how was your day? So for some people, they're very physical. So like touch, right? Whatever. But I want you to just like, if, if I'm in the service of trying to not talk about things or not rock the boat, um, how am I acting it out? That's a really, really, really important one to know. Now, obviously, sometimes relationships are, you know, I say you get to keep the message, but not necessarily the messenger. Let that one sink for a second, because I feel like if you've had issues like I have, like codependency or relationship issues, I'll, sometimes we try to well, it's not all there, but maybe if I change, maybe if I give up this, or maybe if I stop being so much this, or maybe if I just did that, then it would work. And that never works. <laughs> that literally never works because you start piecing, like you start taking out pieces of you. And so sometimes I know, I know some of the breakups I've had, the, the one before Scott, I was, I was kind of shattered. I didn't see that one coming. And after I processed it, I was able to say that showed me that I was settling. That showed me that I was accepting less and less. And I'm a lovely man, super, it's just like we're friends today, love this person. And he gradually started pulling away and I was getting less and less. But in my mind, I was, I was going, it's fine. No, it's fine. No, it's fine. No, it's fine. So I was, I was diminishing what I was asking for and, and accepting myself. But I made it like, no, 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 no. I'm just, I'm just here to learn unconditional. Like I was just, it was bullshit, right? 
And so when that ended, I didn't get to keep him, but the message is, Therese, you deserve so much more. Why are you freaking settling? And so sometimes I want you to look at, am I with a person that I, I should be keeping the messenger or is there a message that this person is giving to me, right? Because not every relationship is going to be salvageable. And when I used to do marital therapy, I, it's usually, as you know, usually a woman would come in going, oh, I'm so unhappy. And I would say, okay, you, you got two choices. You can either work on yourself and at the end, your marriage goes. Or you can work on your marriage and at the end, you have no self. I would vote, work on yourself. And whatever's going to happen in the, in the relationship is going to happen. But at the end, you have yourself. You have a strong sense of self. So my whole point about this, this episode is, are you hearing? <laughs> work on your own self. Like work on your own self. And, and if you have conflict or if you hit a bump, you know, we recently, I was kind of... Um, a little unhappy with a couple of things in my relationship. He, you know, he had some life stuff going on. So he was a little bit unavailable. And I understood that. And I was triggered AF. I was so freaking triggered. And so I had to look at what in me is freaking out. Like what is going on? And you know what? I didn't even share it with him. This time I was like, no, this is about me. He's fine. Like we're fine. Nothing happened. He just got busy and had some things happen. Life things. And I'm losing my fucking mind over it. And I'm just like, whoa. And I know there was like eclipses and energies and all kinds of stuff. And so it was an opportunity for me to say, how do I want to show up? Who do I need to be? What do I need to ask for? But do my freaking work. And then I come and we're fine. We're totally fine. But if I would have communicated all that drama, trauma that I was in, it wouldn't go anywhere. I've tried that before. <laughs> it doesn't go anywhere. So, so what I want you to look at is whatever I'm dealing with, is there a mirror to me? Is there something, is there some like data point that I either is like, God, I, I, I keep repeating this, or I felt this before, or very, you know, they very say like, what am I saying that he should do that? If I say, you need to fight for me, you need to be better for me. Maybe I need to say, maybe I need to fight for me. Do you see that? Because nobody is coming to save you. No partner is going to complete, you know, Jerry Maguire, you complete me. Oh, good God, please do not ever accept you complete me. And I will say with Scott, I'm the best version of myself. I absolutely love who I am because it's not that Scott makes me this way, but I have become this person that I just like, this is pretty fun, right? I did the work. Because what happens, there's a thing called borrowed competency. So I have a friend now, and the, the man that she used to be with, after they broke up, fell apart. Just boom. Because he was borrowing her strength. He was borrowing her integrity, her communication, all the things. Then she leaves. He literally just hit the ground. And so that's the thing in relationships you know, you feed off of each other and, you know, you're like, I take a little bit of this and he takes a little bit of this. But at the end of the day, you cannot be an empty vessel if that person leaves you, right? So I could talk about this for hours. <laughs> I, just, I just want, okay, I want to hear from you, right? That's what I want. I want feedback and I want to hear like, 
are you loving this? Am I full of shit? Um, are you inspired to work on something? Do you see relationships differently? Like, because again, when we idealize and make like, oh my God, it's got to be perfect. We can never communicate. John Gottman, again, the premier, most trusted researcher says, conflict does not mean anything. Like you can have very high con. So just because you fight a lot or have conflict, it has no bearing on success. It's can you resolve the conflict? Are, the, are you still making bids to connect, right? So anyway, so I'd love to hear how you hold this because I'm kind of on a mission because I really went through a lot of heartache. And a lot, as they say, I kissed a lot of frogs and I would love to spare that for you. I would love to have you see that your relationship is a beautiful thing that is here to show you the places that you can still grow. And then once you do that, you get the delight in. You might keep him or her, you might not, but you get the gifts. All right, again, please reach out to me because I want to hear, hear how you are with your relationships. This is one of my very fun topics to, t- to talk about. So thanks for listening. Peace and blessings. Bye now. Hey, I really appreciate you listening to that last episode. And I would love to get to know you a little bit more and to get to connect with you on a deeper level. And here's what I suggest. I've got a Facebook group that corresponds with the content of these podcasts. It's called Fiercely Brilliant Women in Business with Therese Skelly. So if you just search Facebook, Fiercely Brilliant with Therese Skelly, you'll find the group. It's a really nice group. It's a small group and I'm super active in it. Each week we have a lot of supportive conversations. I share a lot of resources. I do a lot of coaching on the spot and I would love to have you join me there. So if you like the vibe of this podcast and you want to hang out with a pretty darn cool community of women, join us at Fiercely Brilliant on Facebook with Therese Scali. Alrighty, peace and blessings and I hope to see you in the group. Bye now.